on the way home, I stopped at this new Cuban restaurant, had a little Cuban food, and we were eating, so my phone wasn't, wasn't, I, I didn't know my phone rang, I, I couldn't tell, you know, there was no sound, and you couldn't hear, you know, so, I didn't know you called me, I would have answered, you know, I never not answered. I know, bro, you, I can't, that's why I tell you, I can't stick to anything in my world. My world is no time, it's, it's a never-ending cycle. Hello everybody, this is Philip Riccobono and welcome back to the ComingToAmericaBaseball.com podcast. This is episode number 5. Today is January 24th and it is cold in Korea. In a minute, David Kim, Pacific League Scout, excuse me, Pacific Rim Scout for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, He will join us shortly. He is down in Jeju, on Jeju Island in Korea. Uh, Mike Nino, MIA. Um, I don't know, last podcast, he was a bit meek. Uh, maybe he can't hang with the big boys anymore, we'll see. But my cousin, friend, spiritual advisor, Mike Nino, hopefully will join us in a bit. Um, so stay tuned, we've got a lot to talk about. The WBC, uh, the Korean wave spreading into Major League Baseball. Uh, interpreters probably going to be allowed on the mound now in MLB, just as they are here in Korea. We'll talk to David about that, and a little later on, scheduled to come on, Clint Holsey, a sports columnist and stat maven uh, who is uh, writing about a lot of things in the Seattle area, covering mostly uh, the Mariners and fantasy baseball. Too many, too many things to keep up with. So stick around, and we will have David Kim and hopefully Nino in a minute. Thanks for joining us. All right, I am joined now by my favorite scout in the business, he has been so cool to me uh, with making the documentary, fighting, uh, uh, cheering in Korea, uh, and I uh, look forward to seeing him uh, coming up this season at a ballpark around the KBO. Uh, last time I saw you, David, um, you were freezing. We were freezing. We were down in Busan for the uh, Asia Series, but I think you still logged every pitch in those games. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, Phil? Uh, Good. How are you? Thanks for coming on, man. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, it's uh, the latest update. Let's see. It's uh, still freezing, and I'm still logging <laughs> pitches, so nothing's really okay. changed yet. Now, you're down on Jeju Island, which is like the Florida of Korea. Are you down there for baseball, or what's going on? Yeah, the the spring camps have opened up uh, here. All the high schools and uh, a lot of the college teams are down here, so... I uh, figured I'd get a I'd get a head start and uh, try to get a, an eyeball on some of these prospects down here uh, a little early. Well, the the early bird gets the worm. A lot of scouts down there right now. Uh, they'll be coming in pretty soon. Uh, they'll be coming in pretty soon. So hopefully, I got a little bit of an edge. Okay. Now um, I have to ask you when I know Koshien is hosts the like the Japanese high school tournament. And it's a big deal over there. Oh, now, yeah. this is going to be my first year in Korea. Uh, so wh- how about Korea? Could you tell us a little bit about that high school tournament, when it takes place and so forth? Well, uh, the Koshien is basically the Super Bowl of, of high school baseball in Japan. It's, it's just it's an amateur mecca. It, you know, opening day, you'll get 40,000 uh, know, at, at the stadium. It's, it's an event. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Uh, Korean baseball back in the day was like that. Uh, high school baseball, you'd, you'd fill the stands, you know, you know, chocker block, you know, with fans. Uh, nowadays, it's it's not as not as big. Um, the the formats changed a lot. 
the tournaments have kind of have kind of gone away and they've gone to a league play, just a regular kind of like a pennant race uh, uh, format. So they still have two or three major tournaments throughout the year, but now it's more of a, a league play. So you, you don't really get that Koshian atmosphere anymore. Why'd they stop it? Uh, you know, probably sponsorships, probably biggest part. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have an, an answer to that. Uh, one of the biggest things right now is, uh, they're trying to get education back, you know, into, uh, into these kids. You know, a lot of these, um, these players, you know, not only baseball, but if you're, if you're an athlete at the high school level, um, you know, education takes a back seat. And, um, so the education department has kind of ruled out, uh, not so much ruled out sports. I mean, you can still play sports, but it's gone more of a Western format where you have to actually attend school and, and hold some, hold some kind of grade in order to, to participate in your, um, in your chosen field or your chosen sport. So, you know, when they play games, it's now usually on the weekends now. So, yeah, I, I know, um, you know, I'm, I've come friendly with a few of the players in the KBO and, you know, they tell me, they tell me a little bit about these, you know, really starts the, the organized baseball here in Korea, not until like middle school. They told me that there's really no little league and middle school is when you get into like a baseball school per se, and then it carries over into high school, and it's, is it baseball just like all day long, or how does it work? Yeah, uh, back in the day, it, it was a, it was an eight-hour affair. It was like uh, basically a regular student in school. He's, he's class times were basically what your times would be, but not in a class, but, but on a field. So, uh, I would have loved that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's good and bad in, in a way. Um, again, you know, there's a lot of arguments to that. Uh, you know, a lot of kids get burnt out earlier um, in that kind of in that kind of atmosphere. Um, it's almost too regimented, sometimes military style. Uh, so there there are goods and there are bads. Uh, yeah, it, it all depends on the individual and the person. Some some people you know thrive and love it. Some people just can't handle it. But they still have it where, like, say, junior high school, you'll you'll try out and you'll be admitted to, like, say, a, it's like a baseball academy. And but the, now you're saying they they'll incorporate some academics into it as well. But like, so the the day now, how much how much of it is baseball and how much of it is academics for these um, for these middle school and high school students? Well, in the past year, uh, I've seen a lot of changes. You know, you go to high schools now. I remember, you know, a few years back, you could go, you could go anytime and, and they're going to be on the field. You can go in the morning, you can go in the afternoon, you can even go at night. And if some, some of the schools have some lighting facilities, they're going to be on their, on that field. Uh, nowadays, it's actually, you need to call in and ask when they're going to be there. And, it's, and it's, in most cases, it's only in the afternoon, you know, kind of after three or four o'clock when, when school actually breaks out. So, um, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's you know, they're implementing this system, and it's, and uh, the the sports departments are, are are adhering to it. I'm talking with David Kim, a scout for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, mostly, you cover the Pacific Rim, David. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, pretty much Japan, Taiwan, Korea. And you tell me if I'm wrong. You have an interesting background. You played in the KBO for which team was it again? Yeah, we'll even go further, a step further. I was, you know, born in Australia. 
uh, yep. Korean parents and have an American accent. Uh, yeah, uh, identity crisis. What's yeah, going on there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple of beers and uh, the accent will come back, mate. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Identity crisis, chameleon, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> well, you're working for the twins, so it's good. Yeah, that's the most um, important part. And then who did you play for in the KBO? Uh, yeah, uh, I played. I started off actually with the LG Twins, and then I moved on with the uh, Doosan Bears in my final couple of years. And what, what position did you play again, Dave? I, I initially started off as a middle infielder, shortstop second baseman, but actually made my debut in the big leagues as an outfielder. So I, I, I ended up being a pretty much just a utility type guy. And so now the KBO has changed a lot since you've been in it. And they're talking about, you know, you hear about the Korean wave with the K-pop and Psy. But I also think you need to include baseball into that sentence, um, especially if you come to a game and, and see the atmosphere and the fans, which I'm focusing on in the documentary. But now you've got, like, you know, Ryu is coming into the into MLB this year, and you've got Chu. And do you think that this Korean wave is, is only going to spread further into MLB? Well, officially, you know, baseball is the number one sport in Korea. And, uh, you know, if, if you're into stock markets and, and all of that stuff, you know, baseball is, is the stock to buy right now. It's at, a, at, at, it's, at its peak. Um, <clears throat> you know, Korea coming off, you know, a, a, an undefeated run at the Olympics to win gold, uh, runner-up in uh, the WBC, um, the under 18 world championship back-to-back championships. I think, I think it is, um, <clears throat> team, team Korea as a, as a whole from the juniors up to the seniors has had enormous success in the last few years. And, um, it's, it's a force. So, you know, the, the nation is proud of its baseball. The players are proud and, uh, yeah, the atmosphere is just a high. And, uh, when you go to the ballpark and you mention Psy and, and the K-pop, you know, it's, it's, I guess the best way I could say, how can I compare it? It is the biggest outdoor karaoke in the world. And yeah, you, you mentioned disco too. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and in certain yeah night games, it can become a disco as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fans are, the fans are great. Uh, the atmosphere is outstanding. Um, you know, win or lose, you know, the, the fans are out there to, to have a good time. Uh, you know, the players, you know, the, the, the levels really, really improved since I was first there. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not only just a game now, it's, 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 an, it's, it's a show, it's an entertainment show. So you've got, uh, the WBC coming up in a little bit, which I don't know if you, are you going to Taiwan for the first round? Uh, yes, I'm scheduled to be in Taiwan for the first round and, and Japan for the second round. Okay. Well, I'll see you in Taiwan. Sounds good. Um, Let's see here. Let's just go, you know, the roster, some people might say, well, they don't even have one MLB guy on the roster. We only have two MLB guys uh, from Korea. But, um, you know, I don't know in 06 and 09 how many MLB guys had. But, you know, what do you say to those people? Like, ah, you guys don't even have, uh, Korea doesn't even have one MLB guy on their roster. Well, to tell you the truth, uh, you know, the WBC uh, the Olympics, the WBC, this, this format, it's a, it's a tournament format. And, uh, you know, a team just needs to go off for a couple of weeks. 
You know, MLB players or not MLB players, you know, for me personally, yeah, the caliber is obviously higher having those players. But MLB players, you know, the, these guys, they, they've been trained their whole career to, you know, to pace themselves over a 162-game season. And in order for them to to compact their, you know, all-star season into two weeks, that's a, that's a tough you know, ask for them to do. Um, so for me personally, tournament play is a lot different to lead play. Um, you know, a lot of players, a lot of people say, you know, team Japan being back-to-back champions, you know, they're the best team in the world. You could say, you could argue that. However, if you put that same team and put them up in, into the MLB, you know, 162 game season, you know, how would they fare? Would they make the playoffs? Now, some people might say, you know, maybe not. So if you look at it that way, then, then it's, it's you know, a whole new, whole new ball game. Plus, the Korean guys are out there. I think, you know, spring training started, what, a few days ago. MLB guys, you know, uh, still haven't played, haven't gone to spring training yet, and they well, won't for another, what, month. Exactly. That's the other thing, too. Or three weeks. You know, yeah. that's the other thing, too. That's, you know, the, the American players... You know, you know, once the season's done, they, they have a little bit of a break off that, you know, they'll go into their, their personal programs, but you know, the Asian baseball, once the season starts, you know, it, there is really no off season for them. Um, you know, the veteran guys might have a month off, but they're right back, you know, end of December, you know, start of January, they're right back in the thick of things. And a lot of them are already in shape by mid mid-January, you know, late January. Um, whereas in the States, you know, these guys, though they are in shape, they're probably not field ready until, until you know, start or middle of spring. Uh, and I don't even know if they've started to work out as a team yet, the USA, say like USA, where Korea, I think they've, uh, well, are they, most of these guys with their teams now, their KBO teams, these WBC players or... Are they working out together? Do you know about that? Because I saw them together, like uh, at a news conference, uh, but I don't know, you know, if they've actually started to work out together. I'm sure they've had a few sessions together, but and and that's the other thing too, you know, when you have 30 teams uh, in the states compared to only, you know, you know, currently we're up until this year, eight teams here in Korea. You know, it's a, it's a little bit more of a compact community here, so the players know each other a little bit more. And they have more contact and more exposure to each other, which means you know when they when they bind and come back come together as a team, there's there's less of a, an, uh, I don't know, I guess a less of a barrier um, between between the players. They they just know each other so well. So you know it's just like just wearing a different uniform. And a lot of them have played together, uh, you know, internationally before. This isn't the first go-around for them. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's the other, you know, that's the other thing. It's just the, the compactness of, of how it is here in Asia. You know, Japanese baseball, there's only 12 pro teams. Um, you know, in Korea, there's, there's, there's now there's maybe 10. But it doesn't compare anything to the, the 30, you know, major league teams in the States. So... And that's you know that's that's the biggest ingredient of a winning team is is that chemistry you have with the players and the manager and the coaching staff. 
you might have a, a team of champions, but it might not be a champion team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the uh, look at the Lakers this year with all the good players they had. And the, the Heat a few years ago, everybody thought they'd win it the first year, and it, it just didn't happen. It takes time. And then the Dodgers tried to put together something, you know, the tra- with the big trade uh, last year, and it just, you know, they need to get to know each other. Yeah, so, it's, the, it's yeah. the team color. It's the team chemistry. I mean, for me, that's that's you know, that's in the hands of the baseball gods. Yep. Um, David, you, interestingly enough, were an uh, interpreter, right, in the past uh, for some past Olympic teams. But did you, you haven't worked with the WBC teams, right? Um, yeah, uh, I, in the in year 2000, I was uh, invited to be the interpreter for Team Korea in the Sydney Olympics. And mm-hmm. uh, so I had experience with that on, on an international level. And my uh, last two years with Doosan, in the local KBO, uh, I was the international, uh, international, I guess, operations guy, and did a lot of interpreting for the uh, the farm players there. Did you? Um, so you have you worked with, uh, say, when you interpreted in the w, in the WBC? Did you work with any of the foreign players and bring them? You know, we were on the mound when managers, Korean managers, would come out and talk to them. Oh, okay. When when I was with uh, Doosan. Uh, we actually we didn't have any pitching. We had uh, we had two position players. Mm-hmm. So the only time I actually went on out on the mound was when we had an all-in brawl, and uh, that was the only time I think I went out to the mound. Oh, so you got involved? Oh, with I, the, I actually with the brawl. Yeah, I actually have a record in Korea. The first front office guy to be thrown out of the game. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. All of shame. <laughs> Well, that brings me to the the topic that's uh, come out recently, and the New York Times reported it last week, um, that interpreters are going to be coming to Major League Baseball. They're going to be allowed on the mound for, let's say, Ryu Hyunjin or Yu Darvish, guys like that. a lot of people, you know, are against it. Oh, if you, you know, I talk to some of my friends, you know, uh, this is in rocket science. Get, you know, buy the Rosetta Stone and learn how to speak some basic English. But, you know, Rick Peterson, who's pitching coach for the Mets a few years ago, um, and I think he's with someone now. But anyhow, you know, he would he would basically go over a simple game plan with the interpreter and and, uh, you know, even bring out cards and things like that. And the guy, you know, the pitcher would still mess it up. I'm not going to, you know, actually it was a Korean pitcher he talked about in the New York Times. But um, so, you know, and he wasn't out there with an interpreter. And he came back to the dugout and the guy didn't throw the ball that he wanted. And he said, you know, if he, th- if he throws another curveball, I'm going to kick your ass. So uh, do you think this is going to help? MLB, you know, MLB, or do you think it's going to cause a bit of an uprise, or you think it's, you know, what do you think about this? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for it to tell you the truth, because at the end of the day, the fans want the team to win, and mm-hmm. uh, if, if you're going to have any chance of winning, there's got to be good communication with, with your people, and um, you know, in my experience, you know, an interpreter obviously, you know, should have a good knowledge of baseball. And so, you know, I, I remember you, you mentioned that uh, the coach was going to kick the interpreter's butt if the pitcher didn't do something right. I actually, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I mean, um, the, the scenario, the, the analogy that I would put, you know, the coach would be the key 
the player would be the car and the interpreter would be the engine. Um, so, you know, each one needs each, each other, but if, if the main engine doesn't work, you know, the car's just going to sit there looking good and the key's just going to sit there doing nothing. You know, or, or try... Was there ever... Or, was, yeah, I'm sorry. Was there ever a situation, you know, when you were interpreting for those position players where something got lost in translation and uh, either the player or the coaching staff got mad at you? Uh, actually, for me, uh, never. <laughs> and the reason I kind of said that was uh, I actually I signed my last couple of years with Doosan. I signed a player's contract but was unable to play. And so I had already a chip on my shoulder. So, you know, I didn't need to butter anything up. So, and I know that's what happens in, in a lot of times. And it's tough. It's tough for the interpreter, you know. He's kind of pulled between two sides here. He wants to look good, you know, uh, in the eyes of the front office. But he also doesn't want to kind of, you know, alienate himself from the player. So you, you'll see a lot of times when sometimes they'll sugarcoat some, some translation. Um, for me, that's, that's absolutely a negative. You know, a translator should be exactly that. And I remember one time when uh, I was translating for Tyrone Woods, who's a pretty colorful guy himself, we were at a, a press conference. And uh, one of his pet peeves was uh, a reporter asking him how many home runs he was going to hit this year. And I remember he said, if, if someone asked me that question, I'm just going to blow up. I said, all right, <laughs> whatever. And uh, lo and behold, Second question of the day. So, Tyrone, how many home runs are you going to hit today, uh, this year? And he dropped probably a handful of F-bombs and, <laughs> um, and basically said, how many you know, bleep, bleep, bleep uh, stories are you going to write this year? And uh-huh. uh, I turned to him and I said, do you want me to add the bleeps or delete them? And he said, you, 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 <laughs> you do what you need to do. And in front of that 20-plus press conference, I dropped some major, I guess, F-bombs in Korean, and the whole and the whole media staff was like, what is going on here? But you know what? That's, that, for me, that actually, that day kind of turned my career around because it actually gave me a lot of respect in the sense that, you know, this guy is, he's kind of, you know, trustworthy. He's going to say what comes out of his mouth. And um, and it's the way it's got to be. You you just get a, a translator has to be transparent. He has to be transparent. You know, whatever comes out of the manager's mouth, you know, has to be translated properly to the player. If there's any beef, if there's any friction, you know, body language that has to be also you know translated. It's a tough job. I got yeah, Nino. Yeah. He just called in. Let's. Hey, Nino. Hey, what happened to you there? I was in a restaurant. No, uh, no reception. Okay, well, you you missed uh, most of the great interview. I'm joined now by uh, Mike Nino, finally calling in. I thought he was going to be a no-show, MIA, but my cousin never fails me. My cousin, friend, spiritual advisor, longtime varsity baseball coach. Uh, also, I want to plug your clinic, the Wantaw Summer Baseball Clinic. We'll have some more... Uh, information on that later so people could come in and joined also david kim minnesota twins scout and the, the coolest guy in, in in the scouting pool david meet nino i appreciate it hi hi Mino. how you doing 
Hey, David, nice to talk to you. Nice talking to so, you. So we were just talking about Nino uh, wrapping up our discussion about the interpreters now going to be part of the game in MLB. What is your take on that, Nino? I love it. I love it. Because I never understood how they could communicate with a pitcher. And he always seems shaking their head. So, you know, there's always confusion there. What's the difference? They ain't bothering anybody. You get a nice interpreter, you take him out for dinner. He's a good guy. Call it a day. It's beautiful. I just want to let you know, today it's a perfect day to play baseball in New York. 16 degrees as we speak. Thinking about going out and taking some fly balls in about a half an hour. Hey, Mike, I'm, I'm right with you. It's 16 over here right now. Where are you? I'm, I'm in Jeju Island down south, and it was funny that uh, Phil said it was the Florida of Korea. Yeah, no, you want to take out you want to take out the F, the L, the O, the R, the I, D, N, A. The 16 Celsius or 16 Fahrenheit? Oh, come on, man. Fahrenheit, let's go. Okay. All yeah, right. I, don't, I don't even know how to spell Celsius. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, listen, uh, David, we've got this, uh, I have this campaign going to bring Nino to Korea. He's turned me down, but now we have a petition. Hopefully you'll sign it. Uh, I want him to come here as a goodwill ambassador, uh, to take in some games, to meet you, to meet all my KBO friends and player friends, and also do a clinic. Should, you know, why should he come here and, and check it out, David? Well, because the temperature is the same, so he'll fit right in. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that I've seen in this country in the last, you know, 20 years I've been here, you know, Koreans, you know, they, they, they're really open-minded, you know. The Japanese are a little bit kind of, they're, they're kind of strict on their ways. Uh, you know, a lot of the Korean teams are having spring camp in the States. They're open to the, the American style of baseball. Uh, and Phil, you've obviously seen KBO. It's, it's, it's an aggressive style, American style of baseball in, in, in a lot of ways. So for a guy like uh, Mike to come over and, and do his clinic, I think it'll be, it'll be well, uh, you know, well, what's the word I'm looking for here? Help me out, Phil. Re- well received. Well, there you go. Well received. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very nice. It's a, I enjoyed the invitation to get in there at this point in time. Is extremely difficult. I'm, someday I, I do hope that I would be able to make a trip. I don't even know if I'm worthy of having my own clinic, but I do my best. But it's a lot of fun sharing any kind of baseball with anybody. And uh, I know you guys are putting out some great plays lately, so it's, it's exciting for you guys. also exciting for us having those guys come over and compete on a major league level. So it's pretty awesome. Let's talk about one of those guys that we devoted a whole podcast to, David, on the day of his uh... – Coming to terms with the Dodgers, uh, oh, Ryu Jin. Come on, man! I was just, I just, I just finished a couple of bottles just to get over that. Now you're bringing it up again. Well, what, <laughs> what do you mean? What, what, why'd you finish a couple of bottles? What happened? <laughs> oh man, you know, you know, you know that story. Let's go. I don't want to air it out here. Oh, I don't know the story, but if you want to <laughs> tell tell us, you can. Or if not, it's okay. No, we'll, we'll leave that to a later date. But real okay. good guy, and I hope I wish him the best at the Dodgers. Uh, how's he going to do in the National League with uh, his size and you know having a bat and all that? Uh, I don't know. He's a pitcher, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, but I know. I know. Are you worried? You worried about him hitting? 
I'm worried. I'm worried about him getting hurt. Like, uh, getting hurt. I'll strike out three times and sit on the bench. What do you worry about, me? He won a home run contest, uh, <laughs> right in the KBO All Star game. What an aluminum bat. That's well, he actually—he actually—he actually came out on a Korean television show and promised the fans that he would beat beat Chan Ho's record of three home runs. And he said his 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 goal was to hit five. Uh huh. So he's going to be hacking. <laughs> he's going to be hacking. That's great. That's great. David, David, uh, also Mike. He was an interpreter, and you'll like this story. You missed it. Uh, he's the only. He was an interpreter for a KBO team, and he also was a player for two different teams. He's the only player to. Uh, sorry, the only front office staff to be thrown out of a game, ejected from a game. Tell him what happened, David. Uh, well, yeah. Well, long story short, there was a there was a hit at home plate, and uh, there was a clean hit, but the other team shortstop was popping off, and and so you know, being me, I popped off back at him. But they actually had a, a foreign coach by the name of Joe Alvarez. And in the thick of things, you know, the, the, the fans were screaming. Joe Alvarez thought I was popping off at him. So he turned to me and popped off to me. And I said, Joe, it's not you. I'm talking to your shortstop. He couldn't hear me. He approached the, 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 our dugout. Our guys went out. Their guys came out. I went after the shortstop. And... <laughs> And once all the fuss was done, the umpire came over to our dugout and threw me out of the game. I was like, why me? And so, so I'm walking back through the tunnel back into the locker room, and I'm getting a standing O from all the front office people. No, no, no. How many, how many, how many times have you been thrown out, Nino? Uh, well, it's overrated. Everybody thinks I get thrown out too often. I've only been thrown out of one, one game in uh, in, in and baseball. And the other games I get thrown out a little bit more often. But the, the baseball, only one in 20, 23 years of varsity, one, one game, and 30, this will be my 32nd year of coaching, and I was thrown out of one little uh, young league game once. So two games of baseball in my lifetime. Wow. That's not bad. And David, no, how about but, you? But, but there's about a, about a million and a half arguments, but I don't, I don't count them. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, David, uh, what, do you think there'll be a, a day again when um, you know there'll be a KB, a foreign KBO manager, or that Jerry Royster thing just didn't work out? Well, you know, to tell you the truth, I think it worked out great. I mean, he took a last place team to the playoffs three years in a row. I mean, you know, yeah, he he didn't actually get to eat the cake while he was there, but. I thought it was great success, and uh, I, I think other teams probably need to build on that and maybe maybe take heed. The only problem is, you know, it, it's kind of tough to fill those shoes now, and um, I think the KBO teams understand that too because it could be embarrassing if they, they follow the steps and bring in another Royster and he doesn't fall through, then then the ramifications of that could be could be really negative to the organization. It seems like they have the foreigners on a real short leash. They only usually sign them to what one-year deals. The players. How about how about the managers? Same thing. Yeah, most of the managers here, you know, are on a one-year deal. You know, lately they've they started to extend it, you know, two or three-year deals. Uh, but yeah, everyone's you know, baseball industry. It's it's, it's any country. You've got to be accountable. 
it's a bit like that. You've got to earn your earn your stripes. So, no, no. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. David's down at the spring training has begun already for uh, the KBO, and um, you know we were talking about before the WBC. And maybe, you know, I, I have to, I, after talking with David, I think the Korean team may have an edge over the Americans. Maybe they don't have the talent or the power, but they've, they've, they're kind of meshing and, they, you know, they work out together. They've, they know each other from in-country. It's a small-knit baseball community. And these guys have already, you know, started their spring training. And they've, they really don't stop or they stop, you know, when the season ends, but then they pick it up again in December. So... You know, what do you say to that? You know, like USA has the talent, but Korea, you know, that's maybe a more fine-tuned machine coming into that tournament. I think uh, the history of the WBC and the, those those games have proven that those teams are a little bit more prepared and together. They're a little bit ahead where the Americans aren't really starting for another two, three weeks or a month or whenever they're going to start. You know, pitches and catches are probably only a couple of weeks away, and that's the biggest difference, too, the pitches. They're not throwing, you know, so they're, they're going to be behind the head is a little bit. But, uh, what's, what, you know, you got some tough countries there. You know, they got that, uh, that Dominican team's going to be real tough. I mean, they, they got a lot of, they got a lot of, a lot of big time uh, players on that Dominican team. Reyes, and, uh, Cano, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're good. I mean, there's going to be a couple teams that are tough. Japan's always good in those tournaments. I mean, Korea, you think, is going to be good. I mean, there's some tough teams there, but the Americans are going to have talent. I think the longer it goes, you know, if the Americans play a couple games and they get further in the tournament, for them, they'll catch up a little bit. But and they got a nice. What I like about the Americans this year is they got some nice uh, younger talent, especially with the pitching. Some nice young guys might be really uh, into it, don't all on it, you know. And you mean, you mean Andy, A- Andy Pettit? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, he, he bounces off the average, you know, just when they mm-hmm. see the average age. It's in the middle somewhere. But they got some nice young kids. And I, I think it's going to be, it's, you know, it's going to be a fun tournament, if nothing else. Well, we yeah. have to let David go. David, you have to get going, right? Yeah, I, I just want to well, add one last thing sure. to this, you know, to the listeners that are listening to this. You know, a lot of people, even on this side of the, uh, the world, you know, I think they're mis- you know, they're, they're, they're putting too much into this WBC. At the end of the day, the WBC really does not determine who are the best players in the world. You know, you're going to get a sample of the best players from each country playing in a short-term tournament. I think that in itself should just be appreciated. I think, I, you know, you can't say the, 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 you know, the U.S. team is bad because they didn't make whatever, whatever. You know, these guys are fine-tuned to play a 162-game season, not a two-week tournament. So, you know, I just for the guys out there, you know, I, it's, it, let's just appreciate baseball. I mean, it's a global sport. You know, let's overtake soccer. I love soccer, but, hey, let's overtake soccer and be number one sport in the world. I mean, that's what, that's what it's all about. I agree with you on both, both things. I, I think... Baseball, without a doubt, is the greatest sport in the world. I'm a, I'm a soccer guy and soccer fan as well. But uh, what you're saying about the sampling, you know, like you said, it's not not every player is playing in it from all the different countries. And the fact is, it's a great showcase 
for the sport, and it's got to be fun, and that's what it should be about. Those guys should be exactly. out there hopefully having a lot of fun, representing the country, no matter who it is. I mean, I don't, again, in America, you know, you've got you know, Kershaw and Verlander, just to mention a couple guys, are on even on the team, and they're two of the best. But you go there with what you have, and you know what? It should be a fun tournament. Well, Verlander still, Verlander still may join. I'm just saying, for example, that's all. I can name 20 guys that aren't playing, but it doesn't make a difference. The fact is, like he's saying, it's a great showcase for the game. Let them go out there and play good ball, whoever it is on the field, playing country against country. Let's have fun with it. Well, Nino, if you ever get out here, I'll introduce you to David and we'll have some beers. Yeah, we got to figure that one out. David, thanks a lot. Stay warm down there in Jeju Island, and I will see you at the WBC next month in Taiwan. No, in the beginning of March in Taiwan. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. You know, thanks a lot. Pleasure, pleasure you, working David. with you today. Anytime. Great talking to you. Always good. Take care. Bye, guys. All right. Welcome back. Uh, that was a great interview with David Kim of the Minnesota Twins. Um, now we're going to change gears here a little bit. I'm joined by Clint Holsey. Clint uh, is with a few different online publications, too many to keep up with. Clint, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and welcome to the show. Uh, well, um, I guess the, the main website I would plug is is my own little blog spot. It's called IRFast. You should Google it. You'll find it. Uh, I write about um, everything from prospects to uh, Japanese baseball to Korean baseball to, I mean, that's the something with baseball. I'm probably writing about it. Um, I'm ready for spring to start here uh, next week. Uh, colleges start playing baseball, and I'm ready to head out there and start scouting some players. Now, are you scouting for anyone, or are you, this is just purely independent? Yeah, this is just for websites and stuff like that. Okay. How did you get into the game, and what, what, what's your baseball background? Well, I, I really, I just grew up, just grew up, uh, you know, watching it when I was little and stuff, and just kind of grew up around it. Was always interested in it. I, I wrote, I wrote about politics for a while. Got tired of that, and uh, just started my own, uh, my own little blog, baseball blog. I, and then I branched out and I hooked on to a few different websites. Since then. <laughs> Um, now, Clint, I, we read your article. I read it on uh, Yoon Suk Min, uh, and it's interesting that you know you're over there in Texas and you're interested in these guys uh, around the Pacific Rim. It seems like you have an interest about them. Uh, tell me about you know how you find out about these guys and uh, what you know what, what what you've learned about, let's say, Yoon Suk Min. Right. Um, you know, I've just always wanted to do something different. Like I could break down the. Uh, you know, Michael, I could write an article about Michael Bourne and it would be one of, you know, 200, you know, whatever articles on Michael Bourne. So, you know, just to set myself apart, I, I've been interested in other players that, uh, you know, maybe other people aren't paying attention to. And just, uh, in Sutton, man, uh, according to the little KBA, uh, the KBO, uh, war, the winds above replacement thing that I, uh, I designed on my blog. Uh, he's about, uh, last year, he was about on par with Kane Newman, uh, just statistically, uh, using the defensive independent metrics. So, you know, he, Rue, of course, was ahead of everyone, but, uh, you know, he's kind of in that second class, or he was statistically. Um, you know, you watch him, 
and, and you notice he has a legit fastball. You, you know, you watch, uh, you know, basically every level of his majors. You watch, you know, whether you're watching college baseball, or you're watching Korean baseball, you're going to see a bunch of pitchers with awesome numbers and uh, bad fastballs. You know, they're coming out like a. Use an example in college last year, uh, last three or four years, one of the best pitchers in college baseball has been Michael Roth uh, for South Carolina, a left-hander, and he was he throws about 86, 87, and he was putting up you know, fantastic numbers and uh, you know winning the national championship, and he and then he ended up I don't remember what round he got drafted in, but the Angels drafted him in a very late round. You know, he's just not a prospect because he doesn't have a fastball. So when you're this one thing, it's the same thing with minor league statistics. You have to be careful with when it comes to pitchers. You have to they have to have the fastball to back, uh, back it up. I've uh, I've done the research, and whether you're looking at Japanese baseball, Korean baseball, uh, the minor leagues or college, the best correlation for success in the majors is fastball velocity. It's much more uh, it matters much more than um, statistics. So when you, you look at uh, Yoon, he has the numbers. So you see he has the numbers. Then you see he has the fastball, too. Uh, he gets up to almost 95 once you uh, translate it to miles per an hour. He's going to sit about 90, 91, which is a tick below average, especially for right-handers in the major league. So uh, you know, he's going to be a free agent after this year. And he his fastball is a tick below average, not you know so much that – you can't count on him to succeed, but it's a tick below average. Um, here I have it at 90.83 was average, so about a mile per an hour slower than average fastball. Um, so he throws his slider the most as far as his breaking pitch. And uh, it, it's called a slider, but it really looked more like a splitter to me. Uh, it just kind of drops off a, off the table. And it, I think the changeup okay, uh, change is going to be – like, if he's signed by a major league team, I think the changeup will be the deciding factor whether he's even moderately successful in the majors because you have to have, in the starting pitcher, you're going to have to have three pitches. And I I think that's a question with him. Does he have three major league pitches or does he just have two? And then another thing, the opposite of Rue, who is the uh, a workhorse beyond imagine, you know, throws over 200 innings every year, was you know, would go deep into games, throw 140 pitches a game. Yun's uh, the opposite. He's had some. He's had a little bit of injury history, and uh, he, he's never thrown over more than like 160 or 170 innings. So that's concerning because if you're a starting pitcher in the majors, even like your fourth and fifth starters, if they stay healthy the whole year, they're still going to throw 160, 170 innings uh, on just you know, four days rest. So you, you wonder if. He has. Uh, if he's going to be able to take the workload, he's little. I mean, he's not small. He's not huge though. And uh, the delivery is is it's not messy. I wouldn't call it messy, but it's got a lot of a lot of things going on. Uh, so you know, you wonder if he can repeat it. You know, for 170 innings, facing you know four batters an inning. And then there's some psychological uh, reports. I don't know you, that you mentioned. He's depression and anxiety. I don't know where, where did where, is that from. Uh, like Korean media reports? Uh, I actually found that on a Nate I, for um, Korean scouting reports. What's really helpful is I find the uh, kbodata.news.neighbor. Uh, that that sports website has some really good scouting stuff on a uh, on Korean baseball. It's in Korean, uh, 
So I, you know, I don't speak any Korean, so I run it through Translate. I have a Dan from my KBO help me in words that didn't translate well. And that seemed, they seem to bring that up as a factor that he had some kind of, uh, mental issues or psychological issues. And I hate playing baseball psychology. Like, uh, you watch a game with announcers and they're telling you what these people are thinking, how they feel, you know, talking about pressure and clutchness. I hate doing that because none of us are psychology majors. You do wonder teams would find that a little concerning if he's had mental issues in that past. And, uh, you know, however minor they are, they're going to take that into account, especially if they're going to give him any kind of money. Well, you certainly did a, you know, thorough background check or, or a report on him. You mentioned war. You mentioned some kind of metrics uh, analysis. Now, this is all, you're all, you know, this seems like a cut of the cloth of, uh, like, um, you know, a money ball type of approach to the game or, or um, uh, that, you know, if you saw the movie Moneyball, there was the assistant played by uh, Jonah Hill uh, who helped out Billy Bean. And, you know, he, you know, kind of the, the new nouveau, uh, new, new type of uh, looking at stats and all this type of stuff, war. And then you got guys like uh, Nino over in New York who's on the line right now who comes at the game more from an instinctual uh, base perspective. So, Nino, you know, what, what did you think about what Clint said and how would you look at, uh, at a player any differently? Well, he, he really didn't speak much in statistics. He, speak, he was talking about the, the kid uh, thoroughly up and down, fastball. He talked about the fastball a lot and stuff like that. So he really didn't talk in statistics as much as... Well, uh, he said, mentioned war. You mentioned yeah, but war. That's all different nonsense. And so that's all those things or whatever. That's what people are writing about. But when he was speaking about the pitch, he spoke more in talent. And he's saying his average pitch is, you know, 90.68, 91 mile an hour, which is, like you said, a little probably slightly below average in major leagues for a righty, especially. But you know, the only difference, like he said, with those guys that don't throw as hard, you know, it takes them longer or harder for them to get it and make it in the major leagues because they got to be 10 times better pitches than the guys who throw harder, you know. The pro guys and the scouts, they're looking for the arm because you can't teach somebody to throw 97. You can just hope they do. It's a natural talent for the most part. And hard work, etc., mechanical efficiency. But, you know, that's what it is now. Everything's, a lot of things are based on the speed and the clock. And, you know, that's the way it goes for major leagues because they're going to spend a lot of money on somebody. They're going to go with the higher-end talent. You know, and the guy that's, a little less talented, works hard, it might be a better player. It has to work their way through the minor leagues and play four or five years and prove it that they're the best player in those leagues. And part of them get through, and they're not going to get their contracts unless they have two or three great years in the major leagues. So, but he was talking about the, the, that kid, he's probably second level kid, probably like maybe a fourth or fifth starter in them if he makes it in the major leagues or or uh, a relief pitcher. But again, the innings is an issue, and velocity is an issue, and endurance and injuries and in, is an in, issue. Injuries, yeah, injuries. <clears throat> Although uh, Clint, he hasn't really been injured since uh, 2010. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, but it was. Uh, I think so. I have it pulled up right here. Yeah, it, it was back in 2010, but it was shoulder problems, and even if they're a few years off, uh, shoulder problems scare teams. Elbow problems, you know, you have Tommy John. Those teams, they'll say, okay, we're, once you get past that, 
surpass that most of the time. Right, right. So Ryu, Ryu already had Ryu already had Tommy John surgery. Yeah, oh, the no, Tommy fine. John surgery. Tommy John surgery. Two years later, they're, they're usually stronger than they were. So it's not a. It's just a bad thing for about two years. The Tommy John surgery. Kids are getting that for fun now, you know, and then it all. Ryu had it what in high school, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. So, but yeah, I'm I'm with you, uh, Clint. You know, like yeah, like you said, anyone could write about uh, A Rod or Michael Bourne, and that's why uh, you know with coming to America baseball. I don't know if you've checked this out. Uh, you know, I, I I feature things like Ryu and guys who are coming over. Now, Nino, uh, you know, he watches MLB Network four or five hours a day. You know, let's say there was a uh, a station. Um, or, you know, a website you could go to to check out uh, these guys who are going to come over to MLB from the Pacific Rim. Um, I don't know. You know, I know you're getting into the Internet. You're more of an email guy. I'm not sure about websites. But is this something that you might explore into the future? And, and you think, like, a lot of your baseball friends in, you know, in America might start looking more at these Pacific Rim guys? I mean, the bottom line is to come to the major leagues. I mean, they've got to be highly talented. You know, on a low level, I guess, you know, you talk about dominating a level. Those guys to come over here, they got to be dominating that level over there, playing in those leagues. And then obviously there's the political end and the financial end, which all, you know, it's all documented and how the postings and all that stuff goes on in, uh, in Japan and stuff. But, you know, there's no mistake in talent when you have major league talent. You know, it's 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 God given most of it. You know, you, you wake up and then it's what you do with it and how hard you work. And in the major leagues, in any level of any sport, here, you got you have to be more dedicated and more. Uh, these guys, they work hard. You know, people don't see what they do. You know, they're showing up two, three o'clock in the afternoon for a seven thirty game and they're doing two and three hours of work before. They just think everybody shows up like a little league game. You know, half an hour before the game, and they just jump on the field. I mean, you know, they're getting home two, three in the morning, and then the cycle goes for twenty days in a row. And that's big. That's a big part of the major leagues, which you know, the endurance of a major league baseball season, one hundred sixty-two games, and as he referred to, you're pitching on every fifth day, four days rest. Like you were telling me, they pretty much pitch once every six or seven days over there. It's a significant difference you get into. In Japan, in Japan, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Significant difference when you're into being number 150 and 100 degrees in Texas, and you know, you know things change, and you know, endurance is a big deal, and the kind of condition that you're putting in before the season getting ready, and, and what you do during the season. I mean, these guys work out; they go on bikes, do a lot of cardio, even immediately after games. I mean, hockey players here they do an hour, hour and a half of cardio. Some of these guys after a game because they know they can't compete at that level. So. You know, pitching on the major leagues and and major league baseball here, you know, it's 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 a lot more than what meets the eye. So these guys that survive, they have an incredible work ethic. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of guys that don't, but not many. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a lot of work, and and you know, physically, that's why I think that kid is going to be all right because he's so big and strong. It seems and he's got the good fastball, and he's got the mix up stuff, he's got some experience in international play. I think he's going to be all right going to a team. Like the Dodgers, where you're not going to, going to be number one, he's going to be number four or five. Pitching against four or five, so that makes a great spot on a team that seems to be loaded and ready to go this year in a good league. So 
I'm interested in seeing that kick pitch. I watch almost every Dodger in the Giant game. You know, I probably watch out of 162 games of Giants and Dodgers. Uh, I probably watch about 120, 130 of them every night with Bella. So <clears throat> I'm looking forward to seeing that kick pitch and we'll see how he does and see the difference from the beginning. Like Darvish last year came out and had a big you know, early season and kind of, you know, got tired or whatever he did. You know, they don't tell you what. Yeah, and they're never going to tell you what's wrong with somebody or why they shut them down or why they slow them down. So you're not going to get that information yet. The bottom line is it's a, it's a, it's a rough going when you're going 20 days in a row and then you get a day off and then you're going another 20 days in a row. It's no joke, the baseball season. And, you know, the culture and all that. Now, what's it going to take for Japan, let's say, the, the NPB, to start getting guys, MLB guys over there when they're in their prime? or, you know, um, at the beginning of their career? Because it, it just seems like they're getting guys like, let's let's say, Vicente Padilla is going over there now at the twilight of his career. I mean, he got a one-year deal, 3.25. He's 35 years old. Um, the Cubs, uh, former Cub, Brian LaHare is going over to the Soft Bay Hawks. He'll be teammates with Padilla. Two years, $4.5 million. What's it going to take for that league to start getting guys, MLB guys? Let's say like Bryce Hopper saying, forget about MLB. I'll, I'll go to Japan. Sure. I, I think a lot of it is going to have to be with team control. Uh, you know, a, a team drafts a player, let's say, you know, let's not use Bryce Hopper, but let's use a lesser player. And they're under contract for six years in the minors. And then once they reach the majors, six years in the majors. So you're talking about a potential of up to 12 years of being, them being under contract, you know, if they're drafted mm-hmm. out of high school, they're, they're already, uh, you know, 30, uh, you know, and kind of on the other side of the, the, the curve, the aging curve. Um, and, and the team, you know, you hear about guys that they're, they're let go of their contracts. They can sign in Korea like Wilk, uh, like Adam Wilk was. Um, you know, a team's not going to let Bryce Harper go to go sign with the Japanese team. So that's one thing you control, like, you know, on the other hand, a player could say, a player could get drafted, say, uh, you know, Mike Zanino got drafted by the Mariners last year. He could say, you know, I don't want to sign. He cannot sign. And then he can say, well, I'll sign with, you know, some Japanese team. Uh, you know, basically do the opposite of what we thought Otani was going to do. Uh, and he can go sign with a Japanese team, and there you have a guy in his prime, or not even in his prime yet. You could sign to a long-term deal in Japan, but there's not a lot of motivation for him to do that because even though the money's really good in the NPP, you know, especially if you're compared to uh, playing in the minors, it's much better. And even in Korea, it's much better. In Korea, you can't sign position players from foreign countries, but, uh, but well, you can, there's just, but they there's just, just don't, more. They just aren't. Well, I think you can, but it just doesn't seem to be a trend right now. Uh, a trend from where? America? Well, the, there hasn't been a, a, a position player in the KBO in a couple of years. Uh, I think it was like two years ago they had one. It's mostly pitchers right now. Well, well, I, I, they, I, I, they changed the rule. They did change the rule? I think so. Okay. You're not going to get guys in the major leagues going to Japan for, for multiple reasons. I think you touched upon it. Money is an issue. Obviously, if you're going to play at the top level at Major League Baseball, here is, is the top level of baseball pretty much in the world as we speak. 
So they're not going to go to Japan and play. These guys are guys like Vincente Tadea, who just signed, is a functional pitcher in Major League Baseball, and his best years behind him, but he's still going to go over there for a couple million bucks. But he might not even make a team here right now. I mean, a guy like Bryce Harper, I mean, he's got a, where he's coming from to play, he's going to go play minor league baseball for half a year or a year and then come up with the major leagues. He's not going to go over to Japan and play, especially, like you said, and he, he even referred to, like, uh, the ownership and what they do there. I mean, they, they lock up their players over there not to let them come over here. But all the great places actually from Japan in those places, if they were, like, free agents, they'd be flocking if they were there. Let's get our WBC predictions out of the way. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with, with the U.S., even though they're not really fi- a fine-tuned, well-oiled machine yet. But I love Joe Torre. Uh, I like they got an improved pitching staff. The uh, the offense is pretty deep. Um, if Verlander comes on, you know, it would it would help out a lot. But I'm going with the U.S. Uh, maybe they, 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 and they got something to prove. Uh, I mean, we started the U.S. started this tournament. And they haven't even made it to the finals yet. So I'm going with the U.S. because they have something to prove. And, uh, Nino, how about you? Let Clint go here. I, I guess, I, obviously, you all I'm going to pick. But who, who I, you know, I don't, I haven't uh, followed the rosters a whole lot because, I mean, I'll watch it when it gets here. But, you know, I, I think it's pretty easy to bet on somebody like uh, the Dominican Republic or, uh, or even Japan. Uh, you know, just, just the talent there that they're going to get. Uh, just the talent that's usually there, the Dominican players are usually a little more willing to to play. So you get the top Dominican players, which, you know, are elite major league players. And Venezuela should be competitive, too. I mean, just from the people that usually run out there. I agree. I think uh, talent-wise, like I said before, I mean, uh, the Dominican Republic's going to have a real good, good club. Real strong offensively, decent pitching. Americans putting on a nice team. What I like about Americans, like I said before, again, uh, I like the youth. They have some youth there. It's young arms. It's mixture. It's not just superstar guys. Obviously, if they had Kershaw and Verlander there on that staff, it would make them a lot tougher. And you don't know what level they're at. I don't know how much these guys are throwing. I don't know if they're prepared to go out there, even though they got pitch limits and stuff going on in this tournament. But I don't, and then you said, you know, that they're making it to the tournament finals, whatever. I mean, I don't know that they're taking it seriously playing on like the World Series. I think it's just more of a fun. I, I think you should take it for what it is. It's like a, almost like an exhibition in a tournament and, you know, just being, having fun, playing all the different countries, getting a taste of the baseball. I think the other countries take it a little bit more serious, aiming at the uh, U.S. But it, it's what it is. I think it should just be a fun, good tournament, hopefully some good baseball. If I, if I were betting, I would say the Dominican and the U.S. are the two best teams, talent-wise, but I don't get to see Japan and, and, and uh, Korea and those teams playing. They usually have a good tournament. Even, you know, they even have those those foreign leagues going on. Even teams like, is Cuba in again? Cuba's in it. Cuba's always puts a, a, a good product on the field. They always have some great players there. And those teams play, uh, you know, different times in the year. These guys are just starting here in America. They didn't even have spring training yet, so. What level of uh, readiness, as it were, they're ready to play these guys. I mean, they got to start doing something soon because when does the tournament start? Yeah, in about three weeks. Uh, it starts, yeah, well, the first games, I believe, are like March 2nd. Oh, so they got a month. So they'll be in spring training. Yeah. So they'll be in spring training and stuff like that. So that's good, too. 
I, I think it, I, you know, again, I think it should be fun. I, I look forward to, to seeing all the different countries play and watching like you. Now that you turn me on to all these Korean guys and Japanese guys, I'd like to see what they, what they look like in the tournament. I'm looking forward to that. Now, Clint, have you been over here yet for a game? <clears throat> no, I haven't. Okay, well, we got to get you over here and get you into the documentary because I always like to get the reactions before and after of the fans uh, taking in their first Korean game. I don't know if I've told you, but I'm doing a, a documentary. It's received a lot of press here in Korea. It's, it's about the Korean baseball fans and just how different they are and the whole experience of going to a Korean game is compared to uh, MLB uh, and even Japan and Taiwan for that matter. And they're, they're, they've got some pretty insane fans as well. But, um, you know, you've you got to get over here, Clint. Hopefully uh, you'll be able to make it over here this summer. All right. Well, Nino, we, you know, we've got, that, uh, we've got that petition out to get you over here. And uh, we'll tell the listeners about that in a little bit. But, uh, Clint, thanks a lot, man. Love to have you on again. You're really uh, doing a good job following these players and helping, helping me follow them even better from over here because I'm not completely uh, – able i'm not able to read all the the hangul the korean i'm just starting to learn that so thanks for helping me out with the like guys like yoon suk min uh and you mentioned some other guys too in your pieces keep them coming all right thanks appreciate you yeah and uh sure no problem how do how do the fans get in touch with you um well you can follow me on twitter uh that's probably the best way follow me on twitter just at clint holsey uh that's the best way and that, how do you spell that, Clint? C L I N T H U L S E Y. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Clint. Uh, Nino, if you'd hold the line, um, okay. we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. But Clint, thanks a lot, and, and uh, ha- have a good New Year. We'll see you around. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care. The Rangers won an overtime. Thank God. Oh, congratulations, Mike Nino, huge Ranger fan. Nino, what's the website for your uh, league? Uh, sorry, for your summer camp. Uh, WarriorSportsCamp.com. WarriorSportsCamp.com. Why don't you tell tell uh, the people about it a little bit? Maybe somebody Nothing. will want to send Not that. Not tonight. I'm going to bed tonight. It's 15 degrees and I'm tired. Okay, there you are. Mike Nino, colorful. He did almost the whole sh- No, he did half of the show today. He called in late. He had some uh, technical issues, but we appreciate him, him coming on. As always, I'll, I'll have to edit a lot of the lulls in the uh, yes, podcast. Yes, you will. Yeah, a little, little tidbit. A little tidbit. Uh, Reds were awarded the 2015 All-Star Game. Oh, cool. Cincinnati. Nice Cincinnati. new ballpark there. Maybe uh, I'll be living in the States by then and we'll go. That'd be nice. Nice to see yeah. you again. Yeah, it'd be nice to see you too. Uh, but we got to first get you over here. There's a push on change.org. Sign the petition. There'll be a link on my website, comingtoamericabaseball.com. There'll be a link on my Twitter and uh, on Facebook. We have to get Nino over here. I mean, he the, he needs to see Korea. They need to see him. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to Monty, who didn't call in with a question but did say he would listen because you were coming on. He said you were out of your mind at the shoes house on Sunday. I don't know what he's talking about. It doesn't sound like you. But uh, in any event, thanks for joining us this week. As always, from Mike Nino, I'm Phil Riccobono. This is the Coming to America Baseball.com podcast on Twitter, Coming to 
BB, uh, sorry, coming to A-M-E-R-B-B. And uh, you can go to our website, comingtoamericabaseball.com. And we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Nino. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You talking to me? Yeah.